friends with the monster, the sun in my bed. Get along with the voices inside of my head. You're trying to save me, stop holding your breath. And you think I'm crazy, yeah, you think I'm crazy. crazy. Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds comic podcast. I'm Christina, and I'm joined by the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. Matt. Konnichiwa. And Carissa. Yeah. Oops, sorry. It's okay. They don't want to hear from me. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, together, we take on this week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now and go read your week's books, then come on back. Each week, one of us picks our favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week goes to Clean Room number four. Clean Room number four, Virgo Comics, written by Gail Simone, art by John Davis Hunt. We reach the creepiest of creepy in this book. There is creepy from beginning to freaking end in this entire book. This is a book of full of nightmares. I had to go back and reread all the previous books because I'm like, what the fucking fuck? And you'll hear that again. We open to Norway. It's a flashback to meeting this creepo super pervy gross guy, Dr. Hagen. Astrid meets meets up with him and she kind of has a trade for him. She wants him to build a cloud buster and in return he gets to naked people for an hour each day. No touching, just gets to look at them. Which they're in a room which I guess it's wallpaper of naked people as well. So yeah, Creepy gross guy, weirdest line ever, who re- he offers her coffee, which he doesn't have coffee, but he offers her tea and says it's strong like vagina. <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> he's just weird. Like, even when he's looking at them with when they're still fully clothed, he sees them as naked. He is just a weird fucko. Like. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm not even sure if that's even wallpaper because it was kind of like saying how he was seeing an orgy around him, even though yeah. he was outside. It was empty. So I think that maybe he just sees that. He might just really see it because when they were all, when also she, you know, ran into him in the random realms of Norway. He's like telling her she's standing in an orgy. Yeah. So yeah, he's got some weirdness. Do you know- weirdness. Did you notice the the picture of them standing there naked? The blonde girl has that one tear coming down her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's not happy. <laughs> no. No. This is what I said that for. No. I wasn't sure if she was crying about that or she was crying because she was so happy to find out that she was one of the rooks. Oh, Could that's be a good that. point. Well, she was also, you're probably right. She was also sad she didn't want to show her scar because she had a yeah. scar. So it could have been any any one of those things, but... Yeah, just fucking weird. Just weird. <laughs> Anytime you see a picture of a woman standing there kind of naked crying, it's yeah. not a good mm-hmm. <laughs> not a no. good thing. No, but that that was her that was her deal and obviously uh I'm guessing he probably took the deal. We now go back to current day. Uh we have killing it uh trying to negotiate with Chloe trying to get you trying to get her to do a favor for her. And that's where we get the fuck you, you fucking fucks, fuck, fuck, mm-hmm. Astrid, fuck, shit, fuck, cock, fuck, balls, fuck. Which I thought was pretty freaking hilarious. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, Killian says back, she's like, um, oh, she's thinking it over. You know, yeah. 
this is not this is this is still negotiable. She's just thinking it over. You know, we're not we're not going to worry about that. So Chloe goes back. She's actually was driving back to her house and she runs into her neighbors. You know, it's the the hillbilly neighbors who are like the sweet, you know, good old boys who actually were protecting her house. There was a guy who went in there and they were trying to, you know, he said he was a cop and they're like, we didn't believe him. So, you know, we tried to get him out and he he beat us up. One got um, their ear chewed off. Yeah. He's got, he said he was one of the policemen, but yeah. we didn't believe him. I mean, it was exactly, you can hear, like, in their voices, the twang. And she's like, you got, you know, like, you don't, don't, you know, you don't need to do this. Forget me. You know, just let it go. And they're like, no, we can't do that. You know, you're our neighbor. Like, this is, this is what we do. You know, have a fine no, night. No, it won't be right. <laughs> yeah. No, they call her, like, Miss Cleo. <laughs> Yeah, they call yeah they call her the um, yeah Miss. She's they never call her like by her first name. She's always yeah. Miss Miss. So now back to oh god the clean I, room. <laughs> yeah, the clean room with the eye gouging and the grossness. Like uh. I, <laughs> it was hard. It's hard to read. It's hard to see the eye gouging. So it basically it's this possessed body of. This guy, and it's the person who they think thing. I think it's a thing, as they refer to it, that is possessed. It, possessing the body is the guy who is driving the car that ran Astrid over. When yeah. She was so, a kid. Yeah, yeah, back yeah in issue one. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Going back to issue one, which is why I kind of went back and reread everything too. And so she's trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, she's she knows that this is hurting this guy. This guy's body. Obviously, he's get the the eyes have been gouged out, so he's probably never going to be okay again and so she's trying she's asking me like what are you know what are you called and i love i actually thought the line was really great he's like there's a whole library in alexandria about that but i made them burn it down oh i know i love no, there's that a reference. whole section in the library of alexandria about me yeah and he's like but i made them burn it down which i was like oh my god that's freaking crazy awesome. did he did he say i made them burn yes it down? he did yeah 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 oh see because i actually took notes this time yeah and, and i was like Oh, I wonder who the fuck this guy is. Is he Seth? Some other sort of ancient yeah, evil? That's mm-hmm. what and then I was like, Dude, you fucking fucks for burning the library. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there with his hands bloody from gouging his eyes oh, out too yeah. while he's sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And, so we, and then he turns oh, the face oh, it gets gross. Yeah. yeah. So we're back. I'm like, oh, we're getting all Hellraiser and shit. Get back to Chloe, you know, in her house. And she's, you know, she's listening to the, the message from, you know, as, you know, from her boss, basically, she's fired. You know, that was her dream job, and she's sad. And then she starts hearing some fucking creepy voices through her house. And she's like, what's, you know, what are you doing? You know, he's like, it's like, check the bathroom. And she chose, and she's, she, uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's like she's the call, the call. No, first she notices that all her stuff is missing. Yeah, the her knives are gone. All of her knives are gone. And at first, I think, oh, it's the, the the neighbors. They were worried about her, so they removed them for her safety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. So mm-hmm. in the bathroom, there's all these knives, like this jab, like jabbed in. I guess it's the bathtub, like literally jabbed into the bathtub. And he's like, and the voices are. I like, thought they were just they're like, like they're balanced. like balanced there. That's the creepy part. Yeah, yeah. They are balanced. Yeah, they're blade up. They're not oh, they are blade up. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're, it's yeah. for her. To, it's for her to lay down in the bathtub. Which is yeah, creepy. that that image like disturbing. Just yeah, that alone, it's just so simple and just creepy. And then, and then in between this, we've got the images of the eye gouger gouging and tearing the 
face and manipulating it and that's just oh fuck and then they're going she's still going through and he's and chloe's like who are you and he's like i'm from somewhere bad somewhere scratchy and i'm like, like what the fuck is scratchy <laughs> No, and then when he was like, I'm not like the others, I like to play. Yeah. Like, bad, Chloe. Some more scratchy. No scratchy. No scratchy. No scratchy. And then we've got creepy face, face gougy, eyeball gross others. guy trying to like give uh, Astrid a little oh tongue, God. which is disgusting. Oh, that. Oh, it's <laughs> through, through the gouged out That's eyes. Flip, yeah, flip the face over. Oh. Games are fun, aren't they? And, and it doesn't even look like a normal tongue. It looks all oh, no, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. It looks like a, like a I don't know. Just it's all pointy oh. and gross. I thought you knew. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I'm supposed to help you kill yourself. That <laughs> image was fucked up. Seriously, fucked up and fucking awesome. Yes, this book was very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like I I read it. I read it twice, and I went to bed. <laughs> Which may have been a mistake. I wouldn't no. say exactly I had a In hindsight. In <laughs> hindsight, sleep was a mistake. I wouldn't say it was exactly a nightmare, but uh, I definitely replayed uh, most of Clean Room in my, my head, which was, yeah. oh, which was not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah. No, it's this, so bad, but so good. It's so good. I've been like thinking about this book since I read it. Like every day, like I keep thinking about it, which is even creepier. Just, again. <laughs> Probably not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, it does such a good job with just to reiterate creepy images and then creepy ass like dialogue and just yeah. weirdness, you know. Because it also so when I Gouger gets his head blown off, mm-hmm. she's like, "What have you done? You basically you've, you've killed us all. You've ruined yeah, so, us all." So basically, I think it's like they she was intentionally keeping him trapped in that body because yes. she knew if he got yeah. out because. Now, because yeah. then you can control yeah, him. Yeah, because now yeah. we can't control him. He can go anywhere or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's something. So the scale just about tipped just there. Well, this, <laughs> like, the whole the whole issue now at this point is that Astrid has got to know that, or I'm sorry, Chloe has got to know that Astrid is not the bad guy. No, no, she's not. She's trying to keep the evil whatever it is you know, contained or down or whatever. So I don't know if she's figured this out right now, but she might still think that, you know, whatever this thing is, is, is being controlled by Astrid. But I think at this point it's very, fairly obvious, at least throughout the story that Astrid is not the bad guy. I I think they do also a really good job of like escalating terror. Like they don't (laughs) come right out with the, the creepy image or dialogue or whatever. They, they build it like panel by panel by panel by page, you know? So it just gets, Yeah. Yeah. Like, at the end of Seven, where they have, like, the box with the head in it, right? Yeah. He doesn't open the okay. box right away, right? That's the same feeling that I get reading this, is, like, what's in the box? What's... <laughs> what's Terror and eye gouging. <laughs> yes. This was a, a masterpiece of terror, I think. And uh, the Perfect. art's the art's really good, too. Really creepy and disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that last page is, like... I mean, it's poster-worthy, but you don't want that in your fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. (laughs) But yeah. So Uh, I got to wonder if uh, Gail Simone has ever met like Mark Ryan Hagen. And if that was the inspiration for Hagen. I don't know. Because he's a creepy fucker. Well, this, this, from what uh, I've been told, I personally haven't met him, but my wife has. I've, I've met Mm -hmm. him. I have not. Yes. He's, I would say more, 
pretentious than weird, but mm-hmm. you know. He likes- well, I will. Uh, I will give this four and a half naked crying ladies, which is horrible. But goddamn, I gave this uh, four and a half knives. I gave it four and a half imaginary orgies. <laughs> I'll give it four and a half burning libraries of Alexandria. Oh, those fuckers! <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was a kid learning, about, the learning about that in history and being pissed off for history. It's like, what the hell? What do you mean all of mankind's history was burnt? Just burnt. Except, you know, China and Middle East. Yeah. yeah. There's some stuff there. Lots of other places that had that stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a few, you know, instances of, like, destruction of knowledge. You've got, like, the Library of Alexandria. You've got, like, the House of Wisdom in Baghdad. I mean, it, humanity doesn't recover very easily from that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so may, maybe a slightly more hopeful corner of the universe, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> There's no hope. Did you not read this book? <laughs> this book disturbed me greatly. Moving Speaking on. of new levels, yeah, Captain Marvel number one, put up by Marvel Comics, written by Michelle Fazakis and oh god, Tara Butters. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. going to be thinking South Park all night. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Art by Chris Inga. So this is basically the story of post-Secret War with Captain Marvel mixing her in with the Nova Corps from Guardians of the Galaxy movie and reusing the Alpha Flight and Sword. I love the Alpha Flight in here. The Alpha Flight that we're actually flying in an Alpha formation. It was pretty nice. So the story is basically Captain Marvel's first day on the job taking over a space organization. It's basically that, that last or I guess first line of defense against space aliens, which previously, and I, I don't know because Secret Wars fucked everything, but it had a really great ending. But it seems to be replacing S.W.O.R.D. It's even got Abigail Brand, who used to be the director of S.W.O.R.D., but now Captain Marvel's basically coming up to the space station to kind of take over, and Canada's first team, Alpha Flight, uh, is already there, and it's the team that she's kind of taking command of in the name of the whole organization. Um, the logo suspiciously matches hers, but also suspiciously matches the logo of the Nova Corps from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, and the ships look exactly like the Nova Corps ships from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But different except colors. Red. Yeah, but it's got three of the members of the Alpha Flight. It uh, had Puck? No, four. It had Puck, um, Sasquatch. Walter Langowski, the Sasquatch. Oh, is that the big hairy guy? Uh, Yes. Yeah, that's a big yeah. hairy guy. That's the only one I recognize. I remember him. Yeah, Puck's the short guy. He, he used to wear like a black outfit. It like had a cowl that covered his hair. It showed his goatee and he had like a, I think a big orange pea for the, on the chest. Then the sister of the two twins. I have no idea what's happened with the brother. Uh, the, the, what is her name? Monica. And then, oh, there was one other. There I, was, I really liked Puck, Puck in this one. Sasquatch, the speedy person. Shit, who's the fourth? Anyway, so they're basically, you know, space cops. And it, it kind of shows, you know, the red tape that she has to deal with, uh, the, you know, political bullshit of running a, a huge organization that does a job like this. Uh, and the story basically kind of seems to go along the lines of just a normal kind of police procedural kind of thing. You know, they're in talks with the Iridani who, if you've ever looked up the Iridani, they're like used in every single fucking science fiction thing ever. They're in, I think, probably 30 different science fiction series, including like, 
the fucking Fantastic Four. So in the there's a what if that they did in like 1983, where instead of going to the moon. They changed the whole story that the the Fantastic Four were trying to fly to uh, Epsilon Iridani, which is the – it's like one of the closest planets that you could actually get to that could sustain life uh, or humanish life. So I, I find it neat that they kind of threw that in there. There was also a – just one scene where uh, she first meets Puck and he's talking about how – no, it's not when they first meet. It's after the battle and I think after she finds out – that the Iridani are screwing them over. She can't sleep. So they basically, you know, she goes down to the gym and he's working out because he doesn't sleep because what makes him that small also makes him hurt. So he's just kind of pushing himself. But he's like, uh, I, I couldn't knit you. And you notice she said, go ahead and knit me a red scarf. Yeah. Yeah, who has a red scarf in the last name of Marvel? Let's see. Miss. Miss Marvel? I just said Miz. Nobody heard yeah. me. Yeah, oh, I heard you. I, did, I was I like Kamala. I was like Miz. Kamala's <laughs> got the red scarf. Also, uh, I also thought it might have been a kind of a callback to Carol's red sash that she used to wear around her waist. But I thought that was a kind of a cool little thing to just kind of throw in there. So they go through, and there's the big conspiracy. There's a, a huge freaking meteorite that they push off into the sun, but then they find out that well, no, it it actually wasn't an accident that it was flying towards them something actually you know pushed it towards the earth and then at the the very kind of end of the book you have this star cruiser coming and attacking that they have to go out and do defend against which happens at the most appropriate time where they're in the middle of some political bullshit oh, uh union negotiations and, with the yeah. the janitors yeah yeah the plumbers space plumbers they're not janitors they're trash men so they fly out and she rips the door off the ship, who is specifically attacking her. It's full of skeletons, but on the door with claw marks is her logo. So now I'm wondering, is it time travel? Is it alternate universe? What the hell is going on? All in all, I quite liked it. I, I liked Anybody it. Anybody else? I thought there were a lot of uh, neat characterizations going on. Like, I really liked Alpha Flight. Like, there's a, a panel where she's like, wake up, Alpha Flight. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck yes. <laughs> I could have when she did like Alpha Flight Assemble. Yes, and I also yeah, there was a rocket appearance, so I was pleased. And he mentioned yeah, the Guardians say, refueling. I was going to ask you about that, where Rocket is stealing everything. Yeah, just takes his <laughs> nuclear weapon away and yeah. helps him take everything else out. I can't really help you take a nuclear bomb. Yeah. <laughs> you can have all the other stuff. All the other stuff is fine. Yeah, all the other stuff. I'm just going to walk you to the exit with it. You know, that kind of felt a little bit like a spinoff, though. I'm going to classic 80s TV show spinoff we have like the guest where they're like, yeah. yeah, like just for the first episode, they have like a guest appearance from mm-hmm. most of the cast from yeah. the show it's spinning off of, so, and then you never see them again. I mean, it definitely shows that, uh, you know, Rocket and, you know, Captain Marvel, they, they know each other, you know, and trust each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. they know each other. <laughs> I like when uh, Puck first meets her and he like, he wants the autograph, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's for my sister. <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was awesome. I thought it was, you know, full of action and humor, and I, I definitely want to read much, much more of this. Ditto. Uh, it made me kind of think of the 90s Justice League books. A little bit. Anyone else? I like how they made me reference how she has her, her new haircut, she's low maintenance, and there's like the part where she's like, oh, Ro- Rhodey loves me, and then she's like, oh, oh, what's the chick's name? Bard? She's like, oh, Bard hates me. Like, and then her inner monologue, like, oh, they Abigail? love me. Oh, they hate me. <laughs> yeah. 
The uh, I was I was actually kind of disappointed uh, when I first heard about this that uh, Kelly Sue wasn't going to continue writing it, but I I feel like this is in very good hands. I'm, I'm very happy with this. Well, she told us not to to worry. She said it would be in good yeah. hands. Yeah, I thought this was a good a really good start. I mean, we have our you know introduction of characters, and then we have our cliffhanger. So it's a good good start i think that will make you want to continue reading to at least see what happens and see who else shows up since we got rocket i wonder if this kind of gives us some clues maybe about how captain marvel's going to fit into the cinematic universe maybe i think so i mean i think you're you know she's got her own movie coming out so they gotta start bringing her more center stage you know she's got her own movie coming out but i don't know if they're going to want to make her a kree because they kind of you know stuck to the point that the kree are the bad guys yeah Uh The only time they've mm-hmm. ever shown up, they've been bad. True. Maybe she's a turncoat. <laughs> Which, to be fair, that's how it is in the comics. Yeah. They're assholes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I, I mean, I've heard rumors that uh, Ronda Rousey is going to play her. I don't know if that's going to be true. No, Ronda wants to play her. Yeah, wants to. But they, they won't even seem to talk to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She. There's, they put out like a list of four people and she wasn't on it. Yeah. They're, they're going to pick your standard blonde Hollywood actors. We'll see. We'll see. I I, ho- I still hold out hope that that'll be who it is. But you know. I don't. I I would want somebody who can act a little more. Who's the chick? Blonde, tall. She was a Bal- Balstar Galactica. She's actually on the fan lists. Yeah. Generally, you're talking about the person who did Starbuck. Yes. Yeah. Her. I like her. Mm. Never seen BSG, so I haven't either. But I've heard her talk in lots of interviews, and I I, I like her. I like her style. So what did you end up giving it, Matt? What item do I pick? <laughs> Four red scarves. I really liked it. I thought that the art was fantastic. It was fun to read. It had enough action and everything else. Didn't really leave me wanting for anything. Carissa? But it wasn't okay. fucking creepy. I <laughs> <laughs> the other half. Haunt your three night. and three quarters rocket appearances. You're like, well, it had Rocket. <laughs> well, no, it's like, I like it. It was just standing up. I'm usually, sometimes issue ones are kind of hard for me to all of a sudden jump into. It takes a lot, but I like it. I mean, it's just a little, you know, there's trade negotiations and stuff and lots of red tape, which I know was the point. You're you're supposed to convey her boredom about it and her lack of, you know, have the banality of it all. But when it got to the action, I was actually in, involved. The, ac- so. the action was good. Yeah, yeah. the action was good. I will give it a three and a half hairy dudes because we had a lot of hairy dudes. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I gave it four and a half. When I when I was a kid and I had to buy comics, I had to buy the like the cheap comics that were in the discount bin and Alpha. The twenty five cent bin. Yeah, and Alpha Flight was in there, so I really like Alpha Flight. So I was super happy to see them back. Alpha Flight's one of my 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 favorites. So four and a half. Alpha Flight's your jam. Totally uh, your jam. Well, that and uh, West Coast Avengers and New Mutants. Like I said, I had to get like the second tier. Oh, and Ghost Rider, the second tier comics. I couldn't, you know, get the the real ones. So I had piles and piles of twenty five cent bin comics. <laughs> yeah, and Archies. Lots of Archies, tons and tons of Archies. Okay, moving on to uh, a independent, or not independent, but an Image. Yeah, so I chose Pencilhead Number One by Image Comics, written by Ted Mc. Keever and art by Ted McKeever. So a little peek into why I chose this. So I used to work for Viz Media and then in Shonen Jump, there was a comic called Bakuman and it was the view of making manga from a mangaka's point of view, but as a manga. 
And so when I read the synopsis for this one, it, it, it reminded me of that concept. Cause so it's basically, it's a, this is an issue one of a five part series about kind of like a kind of based on real events, but not really uh, making comic books. This is nothing like anything we've really read recently. The art is very raw. I would say it's black and white, a little you know, sketchy. And, and so, yeah, it starts about this guy drawing his comic. It shows him going to work and getting, um, well, he's like a freelancer, getting reviewed and having his stuff change and like and like the things that are changed are done by like some intern who just started like a week ago and it's like and there's like you know you'll do this or you know like you know sellouts and stuff like that or you won't get paid and and then him like going to like a strip bar to meet like with one of his like editor friends but they're like at like a really dive strip bar with like you know like not the best ladies and the guy says he's just there for the food <laughs> you never you don't go to the strip club for food that's food, no. yeah <laughs> but, but then like they're wearing like g-strings with burgers on to advertise the food <laughs> and you're like what and so but then like he's saying he doesn't want the food he flings it out and like one of the girls chokes and it's like the one who's doing this weird headstand maneuver anyways so like they freak out and run away and they go back to the editor's house and the other still talking about basically he tells him all what happened that day. And then they're like, yeah, screw that guy. Move over to my comics. I'll edit for you and I'll push you and you'll be great. And basically, you know, like artists supporting one another kind of, you know, concept. And then eventually like he like leaves and he's taking the subway home and he's just like, they say I draw ugly. And like the drawings are pretty like gnarly looking people in the, in the comic. And he's like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be my next one. That guy's going to be a character. And then, like, this weird, like, star antenna wearing, saying I'm from Mars with a broken clarinet kind of guy. <laughs> he's, like, on the subway. He's like, yeah, that definitely is going to be one of them. It's it was diff- it's definitely different. I just want to give it a try. It's definitely not like Bakuman in that way <laughs> at all. I mean, besides just the general concept. Yeah, I just thought it was, it was interesting. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't know how it was going to be at all. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think of my random pick? <laughs> I actually, I had pulled this anyway. Yeah. I, I like the concept of writers writing about, you know, the writing and cr- the creative work. Uh, I like his little monsters in here. I think those are actually my favorite drawn things. Like the uh, ones that they g- made me think of the Attack the Block monsters. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, like the one, like, I, yeah, this, I, I never know why they were, like, chasing him around, like, the whole issue. They're, like, peeking yeah. around corners. Well, it's like, it's like he is, aren't they, the, the monsters he's kind of drawing and kind of coming to life is kind of what I was thinking that they were. Yeah. I, I, I actually like it. I'll continue reading. I thought it was pretty fun. So the the intern guy, mm-hmm. Malcolm McMalcolm, I had to chuckle at. And it was the best part of the book for me uh, because I actually out? knew somebody named Malcolm McMalcolm. <laughs> yeah. He was my sword master when I was in the SCA. Wow. Yeah, I did like the booyah. The, yeah. yeah, the rest <laughs> of the book, booyah got me. I hated. I hated this with the passion of a thousand. <laughs> passion of a thousand sun. burning suns. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God, it was bad. It was so fucking terrible. I like if you pick it, that's fine. If you ever want to put this on a list again, I'll be quiet. <laughs> I fuck. I hated this. I really. I, I can't even. Look, I'd rather read Carnage. I I gave Carnage two and a half. Uh, I gave this less than that. I'd rather look at this than Carnage. I thought that was mm. terrible. At least it's a I don't that know way. that I go that far. I, I like the idea of you know a book about the creative process. 
I just think like if you want that book, read Airboy. It's a thousand Thank times you. better. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. A thousand times better tells the same not basic story, but the same or Bakuman. Story. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Ryan couldn't say Bakuman because that's a manga, <laughs> and he won't read it. But still, I'm just saying it's. it's... In my but, yes, I, I chose it so you wouldn't so, have to read Drax. There okay? were comics like that people in my high school made and they like got together, you know, uh, uh, comic fans who for some reason never talked to me in high school, which was fucking insane. <laughs> they, you know, kind of got together and they made their own little comic company and they paid to have it printed and all that. And it was on fucking cardstock of all things. Yeah. This very much feels like And it was like, this is what that, rem- this it is was what like that reminds me of. They drew it with ink pens. Yeah. That's what this made mm-hmm. me think of. I hated that. And I hate this. This was on my pull list. Like, I was intrigued by the idea. I like the, you know, kind of like indie zine. Yeah. But this was just, the art was hideous. Like, I get that it wasn't supposed to be pretty, but the writing was just kind of incoherent and uninteresting. And there, there were so many things that I was looking forward to. You know, I appreciate when you have like a writer and artist, like when you have an actual cartoonist, you know, but this... This was not for me. This reminds me of, do you remember like MTV used to show all those weird like heart, like cartoons, like it really independent cartoons, like really late yeah, at night, like, like with li- television, television. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. what that reminds me of. Like Aeon Flux. Yeah. Well, yes <laughs> and no, but there were some other ones, but yeah. My- I don't like anime. All right. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. Mm. So yeah, that was my adventure to try to pick something um, different and unique. Well, you succeeded there. Yeah, I gave it two and a half squiggly black lines. I gave it (laughs) one and a half fuck yous. I gave it 0.5 attack the block monsters. Like the bottom half, like if you cut them in half. I'll give it uh, two two and a half uh, hamburger underwears. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So... I had another black and white uh, book by a, a cartoonist. Um, I had uh, Usagi Ojimbo number 151 from Dark Horse Comics, written by Stan Sakai, art by Stan Sakai. Uh, I love, as much as I dislike uh, anime, I really, really love uh, Usagi Ojimbo very much. There's a lot of things that I like. We see, we're starting to see more cartoonists, I think. Like you have like Scotty Young, you have. Stan Sakai, you have people who are doing both writing and art at the same time. And I think that, that makes a really, can make a really powerful and like unique book. You know, you've got one creative voice there. And I, I appreciate the skill that, that that takes. So I love the art in Usagi Yojimbo. It's, it's clean. There's not a lot of wasted lines, but it's very expressive. Um, I also like when he composes like scenes in this, but they're not all at the same time. Uh, depth you know some of them are like close-ups on the face some of them are like far away looking into a forest you've got a camera that well not exactly camera i say camera but it's really just the artist choosing where they choose your perspective to be from you know that that varies and moves around and i i that is the camera if there was a camera filming this yeah it's i i i like that it varies the composition and like structure of the the panels that it's not just monotonous you know either talking heads or or action. There's lots of, like I said, expression. Like you can see 
in just very simple lines, you can see like shock and anger and like disgust and all of these emotions that you can get with just like a raised eyebrow or like some shading. I think that's really strong art wise. Um, and then the writing on this, there's lots of things I like with the writing as well. You've got a lot of showing but not telling you. Like the idea of, of love is not a positive thing uh, in like medieval Japan and in like Bushido. Um, it leads to you know chaos and betrayal and it's just – it's not good. And rather than him telling us that, we see a story about love. And all of the you know murder and betrayal that spills out from from this thing. So I thought that was a really good example of showing rather than telling. I also like that Usagi is not perfect in this. Like he does figure out part of the mystery, but he doesn't figure all of it out. So he's not like he's he's capable and clever and strong, but he's not perfect. You know he makes mistakes, or there are things that he doesn't catch. I liked there's a there's a scene where. Uh, at the end where her like husband to be is going to like murder her and that scene to me was felt really i want to say like dirty but that's not exactly the right word like it just felt very real and hateful like it felt like something you're not supposed to see you know like if you see people like fighting in a restaurant or something and you're like oh i, I shouldn't be seeing this you know like that kind of feeling from that it felt really really personal and uh intense so i, I liked that scene a lot there's also like a scene like talking about the art where like these bandits are hiding in the the bamboo and to convey the idea that they're they're hidden they're they're colored like in the same way as the bamboo like they have the same like stripes going through them and the same tone so you know he doesn't have to say very much for you to understand that they're they're concealed like there's a lot of that kind of art that says that doesn't waste a lot of words or, or lines, and I really appreciate that. Like plot-wise, you know, Usagi's just you know traveling through the the woods, and he comes across this like uh, murdered caravan, and goes to investigate what's going on. And there's a woman inside who's going from one town to the next to meet her husband to be. And then there were bandits that came after them. Um, there's also in that whole thing, there's a what I thought was a neat uh, little exchange between them where he asks her what she thinks about getting married. And she's like, oh, no one ever asked me that. <laughs> um, and I thought that was was interesting. So then you find out that her husband-to-be um, has hired a bunch of assassins because he loves someone else and wants to marry her. So he's got to kill her off before she can get to the, the village. And Usagi, uh, you know, he meets up with, with her and pays Usagi for protecting her. And then he tries to murder her when they're alone, but Usagi realizes that he said the name of, like, the group of assassins, and they never said that. So he mm-hmm. realized that they, you know, that he knew more about this plot than he'd let on, so he comes back and kills him uh, during that scene. And then you have kind of, like, the the part that Usagi doesn't see that's kind of, like, the, the twist ending, that her – the person that she loves in the village that she's from – was also trying to kill the the other guy. So you've got all these like murders and betrayals going on because of because of love. And I, I really liked that it was conveying like a, a complex idea that isn't really part of our culture simply and, and cleanly. So I, I really like it. I, I love that rabbit. <laughs> Would you did anybody else read it? Yeah. I mean it's very nostalgic for me to read Yusagi Jimbo. Yeah, I mean it was a 
very classic. If anyone has been reading those for as long as they've been out, I mean, it's very a very classic issue. Though I think it was the other guy, the other son that she mentioned in that town. I don't think it was from her hometown. Because she mentions, oh, well, there was another one, but they want me to marry this one. I think it was that guy. I was just talking about there's three – no, there's two – three Saki families. Mm-hmm. And hers, the dude that she was being forced to marry, and the dude she wanted to marry. Yeah, and the one that she wanted to marry was the one that her father didn't pick, and that's the one who was hiring, who was going to hire to kill him. To kill the guy that she was going to marry. Who was going to kill The guy her. she was well, going to marry contracted people to kill yeah. her. Yeah, he wasn't going to actually hire anyone, because I guess he's, you know, he's poor, mm-hmm. which is probably no, she, why he wasn't I chosen. I she told him that, well, no, she told him that they needed to figure out a way to get the guy killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then she was glad they didn't do it because he's not a murderer. But yeah, she is. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's interesting. The whole thing is all sweet, innocent, and then you're like, oh, she's not a good person either. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of a a bit of an M Night ending there. Yeah. <laughs> the twist. I was like, wait, what? You fuck her. The other thing that I also like about the uh, Usagi Ojimbo stories is you can jump in and out of them. Like there's there is continuity um, between them and. You know, characters they're are like the same, Conan? but they're very much like Conan's. They're just like snapshots in time, you know. So if you haven't been reading Usagi for a while, you can read this one. No need to read, uh, you know, 150 other issues of Usagi Yojimbo. You can start See, right here. I've always wanted to pick up Usagi Yojimbo, and I never have. And I wish I had. Because this was really good. You can go back. You can go back. Oh, really- no, I'm going to. It was a really good yeah. story. I, I thought it was really great. I've never read any of these before. This is the, my first... I, I had a, I was, some problems with the art, and I think it's because it's. I'm looking at it digitally. It's the con the contrast is like way too stark. Like the whites are too white. He it's a very thin. Um, he he draws with a very thin ink. You know. Yeah. The lines it, are very. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's very. It is very sketch like. But I started reading Stocky because I will. Rory was what who really got me to start reading them. Our friend Rory. Me, me too. I met Stan mm-hmm. Sakai and bought Rory Usagi. Ojimbo I was with you. One. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rory's. The one he shook our hands. He was super nice. He is the nicest guy. I think he and B- Bill Willingham are probably. Uh, oh, I love Bill Willingham. <laughs> although I, I have to say, there's a, there's a uh, Matt, is it Matt Wilson, the colorist for a lot of stuff. He's super nice too. He was very nice when I talked to him. Yep. Good comic from a good guy. Uh, I have a, I have another comic from a good guy. Oh wait, we got it. We got to rate it. Go. Oh, great. Go. I, I gave this uh, four sakis. Uh-huh. Um, I give it uh, four little skull death cloud bubbles. Those were so <laughs> cute. I did actually really like that. Yeah. I'll give it three and a half um, bunny murderesses. I give it four wakashazis. Oh yeah. It's the the shorter of yeah the three the blades. No, the shortest blade is the Tanto. It's a Tanto, Wakashashi, Katana, and then there's other ones. I'll trust yeah. you on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you have it, Matt. <laughs> well, see, I know because I watch Roroni Kenshin, <laughs> and you should watch Roroni Kenshin because Samurai. There's a couple things I don't like about anime. So, do they have the big eyes? Yes, they do. That's their thing! Then I'm not going to watch it. Oh my goodness. Not all the anime has the eyes. swords. The only person who's ever been able to get me to sit down and watch anime is Carissa. Woo-hoo! Carissa, get on it. Wait. I work that. Not long it took me to, to work on that. <laughs> Kenshin's worth it. I think that that ship has sailed. 
The Kenshin is really good, though. Kenshin is so good. Uh, Viz puts out omnibuses of Ronin Kenshin, like really big books, like all of them. See, Kenshin's eyes aren't Kenshin's eyes aren't that big in the in the manga. I mean, mm. Mm. on the show he gets a little expressive, but yeah, they're not, like horrible. I think you guys are preaching to the wrong the wrong yeah. person. It ain't happening. You just don't, you should gift it, Matt. Just send him a birthday present coming up in June. Just here you go. It's true. <laughs> I even I don't like wasting money. I even tried yeah. to watch like Attack on Titan because everyone said it was awesome, and I couldn't get through like the first episode. So I don't blame you there. Go, you need to go in a couple episodes. Go where there's like smashing and terror. Speaking think... of smashing and terror, more smashing and terror, more smashing and terror. Buck Fairyland issue number four, uh, Image Comics, written by Scott Young, art by Scott Young and Jean Francois Bellu. This, as far as imagery, I think is actually my favorite of the four. The, there are so many characters in here that are unique. The first one, which we get yet another narrator that is brutally murdered in the beginning. A slug or grub or whatever. Just freaking every single one. We're, we're not making them through. We're not making them through. The, the what is it, the octopus, like, hairdresser thing that was... Uh, Doing Claudia's hair, the um, the character that we end up meeting at the end, the darkest dead dead death. Yeah, uh, darkest dead death. That was all of those. I think are like they're super unique looking characters. They look. I, I think they're they're totally flesh out as a, to how they look. I love the look and feel of them. The hairdresser, which is one of my really all time favorites, because I don't know if you noticed, every single of her tentacles was tattooed. Nice. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, that's just the deep the amount of detail that goes into each character is just I absolutely love it. The whole story is now basically, you know, Gertie Gertie knows what's kind of going on. She's she's figured out, you know, the queen the queen's got it in for her. Um, she finds out the plan about you know Happy is is here to find the key before her. She knows now that if she, Happy finds the key, she is now no longer a guest and is now an inhabitant and Claudia can now kill her. So she needs to figure out how the hell she can get Happy from getting the key. She needs to now, you know, get get the key to get the hell out of there. So Larry has the plan to go and, you know, do something to get one of the get one of the seven evil dooms to stop Happy from doing this. So between, you know, doing, she's got to do something and she's, you know, to get some sort of power and whatnot. So she goes through, you know, she's killing like zombie animals. She's going through the bawling fields with her babies crying. She's going to the peaks of the storing snotties. Oh, those are so gross. Yeah. <laughs> she's, you know, going across the Red Sea basically. And then she gets to the cat, the castle. That is the uh, Darthless Deadest Castle. And <laughs> I love that she's like, she, you know, when she dis- basically destroys the, the gatekeeper to get in, she, her, I love how her eyes pop out because she's like, sees the, the mass amount of skulls and this guy basically made of skulls. And this is like her dream. Like, this is the best thing ever. I love all this death. I like her eyes have little hearts on them when she yes. sees it. Yeah, this yeah. is like this is like her favorite. Her, you know, her, this is like the best thing that could possibly ever be seen by her. 
She's like, I like how you decorated. Exactly. She's like, I love all, I love all of this. It's so awesome. So she's trying to negotiate with him. She's like, I would like to borrow some of your evil powers because I want to, you know, destroy Happy so she doesn't get the key. And he's like, you know, how do how do we negotiate this? He's like, oh yeah, we we can do this, but I've got one one caveat. I need you to make it through my dungeon. And she's like, oh, okay, sure. I, I, you know, I'm a little hurty. My back hurts. I, you know, kind of had a headache. And uh, I think, you know, maybe I'm going to sit this one out. And then he shoves her into the dungeon. No, no, that that's not her. That's her little sidekick. Her sidekick? Her. Oh, yeah. He, he says he, he's got a headache. But yeah. so, so she gets kicked into the dungeon. And I love, she's like, oh, this, this is so bad. I expected something much bigger and scarier, and you see that all that she's seeing is the face inside of the giant freaking monster that looks like it's going to. It's eat like her. the angler angle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Lure it because it's like a little cute clown at the end of it, like a little. It's almost like it kind of reminds me of like um, like Felix the Cat face character. Rule number one: murder all clowns you encounter. No, <laughs> <laughs> all clowns. Yes. Um, so I, I continue to love this. I'm going to love this. This is like right up my alley. It's bloody and gory and silly and funny. And I love the creativity and the story and the characters that he creates. I mean, he's basically just creating characters to kill that are fun and unique, which I totally can get behind. I think my favorite part was uh, watching Happy on her adventures. Oh. Her Okay, so she's the, the exception to the rule about the big eyes because she is just so adorable. She kind of looks like a powder puff girl. Very much so. That's what she reminds me of. Yes. And I like when she goes around, when she, like, uh, is kind of, like, hopping. It's like, boing, boing, boing. Yep. She moves. I love that. Yeah, she does all these, she does all these, like, good tasks to help her Mm -hmm. get to, you know, get to the key. Except for Gertie, who does all the evil and horrible and murder things to try to get to the key. Yes. I, I love that Happy in, like, two days has done everything she's done in, like... More than she's actually done in, like, yeah. however many years she's been it's here. It's, like, 27 years or almost 30 years. I, I think of all the Fairyland ones, this one was probably my least favorite. Like, I just, I don't know. I didn't feel like this one really gave me anything that I haven't haven't gotten before. And there wasn't, like, a sequence that was just, like, amazing to me. It, it's, that's the problem when you set the bar so high. Yeah. You know? All the yeah. ones, I, I love this one basically for the the imagery in the skull castle i think that was like my favorite image that and the the end with the uh weird clown tongue thing i think those were those those i mean those are like standalone art pieces to me that i like anybody else no i was quite amused quite amused i think it's it's, the book's getting to me a little bit but it's still funny i like when um She's like, do you know what's going on? When she's asking the big skull guy at the end. He's like, oh, it was an interesting plot twist. I think I posted that <laughs> panel. I was like, like, it's like a little pat on it. It's like the artist was oh, Scotty Young's own little pat on his back. For... Oh, yeah. I also like the, I don't know if it's fan art in the back, but the, like, all the different drawings of, of her. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's just a bunch of different artists. And he, I think it's been in every single one. They have different different artists doing different versions of of Gertie and Larry and all the all the stuff. The second one in is an artist I've seen before. Um, he also does a comics I'm familiar with him, but the other ones I, I didn't really, I, I don't know who they are. But 
Yeah. I, I will give this um, three and a half Larry's blowing up Grubworms. I gave this uh, three star, three skulls. Uh, I give this uh, three and a half snot mountains. <laughs> I'll give it three darkest deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. to Speaking of dead things. Lots of dead. Oh, yeah. Devolution. Number one. By Dynamite Comics. Written by Rick. Remender. Jeez, what is with me picking these fucking names? Rick Remender. Rick He's Remender. Finally, someone who's not... Never not heard of him before. What? And Never heard of him before. Okay. There's like 10 people on my list of superstar comic creators, and he's not on it. All right. You can guess who they are. They're pretty much all from Great Britain. <laughs> Old British and Scottish guys with beards? Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. all of them who have beards, no. Who can't separate fantasy from reality? <laughs> I said not all of them have beards, and you... Sir, <laughs> need to redecide what reality is. <laughs> Art by Jonathan Wayshack. I give you a new reality. Yes. I reject, reject reality, reality and substitute one of my own. Because I love that line. That's like... <laughs> Which is ironic because he's a cynic. But anyway, so Devolution number one. Uh, Devolution is basically the story of uh, humanity deciding that it needs to get rid of religion in order to stop war. Which, funny idea. It's valid, but they go about it by figuring out the part of the brain that actually allows you to believe in religion and and figuring, oh, we'll just – instead of making that turn off or something, we'll, we'll just make it so that humans devolve that part of the brain and it goes away. Well, unfortunately, the best laid plans of humans off to go fucking off, and uh, it causes – Instead of that one little part of the brain to devolve, it causes the entirety of the human to – well, they're not actually devolving. It causes them to turn into Neanderthal, which isn't valid, but okay, it's a comic. So it causes them to devolve and then sidevolve into a different species, and then it spreads to other creatures and somehow causes elephants to be in Las Vegas. I still haven't figured that one out. <laughs> Probably from uh, one of the casinos or something. Yeah, I'm um, going to go circus. They don't have them. Are they migrating? I think that's an elephant. I think that's a woolly mammoth. Right, but what did it do? Okay, achieve? well, still. But did you also notice the pterodactyl? I did. Those were also confusing, but those I could also almost make some sort of sense out of. They evolved. And there's also saber-toothed tigers. From what? Yeah, from existing animals. That's Science! Science! Not work. No, it doesn't. Ah. Genetics. Okay, yeah. No, that's, wait, well. Evolution. Wait, the Sahara doesn't exist ele- anymore. An evolution. They literally just have some clip art from <laughs> Vegas. Like, that sign is way it's the hell way down. The I mean, the, the New York, New York is across the street from the MGM, and the Paris is down the road, but the Sahara is nowhere near here and doesn't even exist anymore. That's fucked up. And again, <laughs> there's no elephants for things to devolve to. Well, who knows? Maybe it's... Uh... Migrate patterns of uh, woolly mammoths. You don't know. That would cause them to not come to this fucking burnt <laughs> level of hell. <laughs> Maybe they're from like L.A. or yeah. San or something. Well, perhaps. <laughs> Except for, have you ever gone across the fucking the Mojave? Yeah. Wave? Yeah. Yeah. Have you done that as a woolly mammoth? Not as a woolly mammoth. Not no. yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, the I woolly mammoths so. were in La Brea. You know, that's not that far. Oh. oh, okay. Well, it caused the bones to devolve. So, anyway, so you've got this uh, one character who is basically, uh, she's one of the humans who are, uh, I'm guessing, are immune. 
uh, and doesn't have the virus, and she's trying to find a cure so that she can re-evolve humanity. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say re-evolve everything else, because otherwise it would be a pretty fucking scary world for humans to live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's kind of trying to make her way to, think, San Francisco to try to get there, but she runs across a enclave of some non-devolved humans. There's a little bit of a, a risque scene where two of them sneaked out, and one of them got kidnapped by the devolved humans that look a lot like Neanderthals. And she gets taken in by, because she's basically using, you know, their doctor uh, to kind of buy food so that she can make her way over and try to figure out a cure for, you know, all this horrifying stuff going on. And Mr. Merkin, kind of, you know, Nazi Merkin. Yeah, he's got um, the big swastika is, on the side of his yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. And yet, he has a conversation with a black guy. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe we don't get how this works. Nope. But uh, it, it was, you know, interesting. Uh, and they shoot a horse for food, which she really didn't want because now how is she going to make her way? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We kind of leave off. She's trapped in this little enclave thing. We're waiting to see what happens to her. And then we get a view from space. And there's apparently a moon base that somehow has the virus on it. I never quite got how the person in the spacesuit, they're obviously up there. I I guess I'm assuming that they got put there before the devolving stuff, the Devo 8. But I I might be wrong. And there's two of them. I'm guessing they're in a relationship. They're talking about getting back into the moon base. And then one of them's like, throws the other through and then knocks the door and she's like, I'm sorry. And then she just devolves into a, a mag or whatever. Yeah, she's more developed. Yeah. That scene of her vomiting in her space helmet while she's oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> this is disturbing. Yeah. It was pretty straight up. But it's, it was interesting. I don't, I mean, it, it feels to me kind of like Walking Dead, though I've never read Walking Dead. I'm making assumptions here because it's gritty and weird post-apocalyptic place. It's Rick Remender also wrote Tokyo Ghost, which I don't know if we actually reviewed on this one. I mean, on in our podcast or not, but you can see a lot of his ideas about what he thinks is wrong with the world, like the problems that are in Tokyo Ghost that lead to. No, it's not so much religion. It's like humanity uh, basically using technology as like an opiate, basically, and having like a love for violence. And in Tokyo Ghost, his vision of what happens from that goes in one direction. And this goes in another. So I like this a lot. See, I'm all for the apocalypse. As long as, you know, I and my family don't get killed. Uh, but I would love to see everything just break. There's a couple panels where the main character looked a lot, almost to me, like early um, Battle Angel Alita. In, like, her face, the way she was drawn, when she, like, especially when her eyes were wide. I don't know if anyone ever read or even watched Battle Angel. but nope. I have memories of it. It's not something Ryan would probably remember. No, Ryan wouldn't. I, <laughs> I, I don't include him in that. <laughs> but definitely had a Battle Angel Alita kind of feel to me at first. Like just the, the way the character was drawn. I thought there were a lot of like really interesting like ideas going on in here. That The part of your brain that allows you to, I guess, have maybe the imagination and self-awareness to, to understand uh, God or... I guess you could also buy in the idea that invent God, however you want to view it, but that the ability to conceptualize, you know, a deity is a is a higher evolutionary idea. That you know, animals don't have that. 
so I thought that was interesting that when you take that away, that you devolve these people. Uh, or humanity didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and it mutated. Right. Because otherwise the animals also don't have that center in the brain, wouldn't have devolved. And the plants as well. That's, or sidevolved. That's true. Which isn't a word, but it is now. And then I also like that different people are affected in like different levels of their de-evolution. Like even when she meets up with that... Uh, you know, base that she gets to, there are different, some people who are not changed at all, and some people who are just barely above, you know, the, like, cavemen that we see running around. And I think that's part of why they make really stupid and bad decisions, you know, that they've, they all seem like they're kind of, like, bad people to begin with, um, which is probably why they can survive in the apocalypse, but they've... I figured it was just this commentary on Americans. Well, there was a lot of commentary on Americans. Yeah. Maybe. In the beginning, it it it's basically gives you like kind of almost like a an undisneyfied Wally, you know, explanation yeah. of the world. Yeah. And then as those panels go on, where it's telling the history, you look at it, the people in the panels slowly start to look like they're devolved. Some of them like they look worse and worse. Yeah. So I thought there were the ideas in this to me were more interesting than the actual execution, but it was still pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, the the story is interesting. I don't necessarily think all the art was that interesting. Some of it was maybe a little too graphic. I didn't need to see the horse getting shot in the head. I care, I care. Yeah, quite a bit of it was a bit much. Yeah, they're, it, no. they're a little over overboard in some in some scenes. Yeah, I didn't like really that horse thing, but it wasn't as bad as the horse scene from issue one of The Walking Dead. That one oh. was much worse. That one still sticks with me, and that's why I don't read that. <laughs> But that, to me, did not I don't seem read it because it's zombies. gratuitous, you know, that that seemed like a natural mm-hmm. outgrowth of that situation. This one seemed kind of like, I don't know, they're trying to push the, the envelope here. Speaking so, of pushing the envelope. I'll say, not, I don't know if it's really pushing the envelope, but I did have another comic. It was Red Thorn number three, Vertigo Comics, written by David Bali, Bailey. Um, sorry, I don't mean to butcher your name. And art by Megan Hetrix. So, um, I'm really into kind of like fairy tale changeling is stuff, so I wanted to keep reading Redthorn. So it starts with them waking up from like a really good party or orgy. Well maybe an orgy for uh, on Red Sun. It was it was like an orgy murder party. Party, yeah. Where they got tricked, basically. So a Scottish yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. So our main character wakes up and she's like sandwiched between some like org org yeah, ogres and like trolls and orcs. And she goes and finds, um, oh, why is, why is Drew Blake on the Red Mohawk dude's name? Red Thorn? Red Thorn? Thorn. Red Thorn, but it doesn't have a Disney, she was calling him something else, though. And he's Thorn? basically, he's laying around all of his guys and ladies naked and, you know, being his little, like, demigod self. And basically says that he has uh, something to do. And, um, oh, now that there's also the, they jump to, like, what is that? It's modern day time, but, like, Baghdad or something? Um, it's some, somewhere in the Middle East. Somewhere, somewhere in the Middle, Middle East. East, right? And they're telling a story about another, like, a monster fell in love. And, like, they're, basically they're, like, telling oral stories of their people and, like, legends and stuff. And this I, little kid. I think it's probably Morocco. Morocco? But... Okay. And then basically the kid's, like, you know, the kid who's hearing the story doesn't want to go home. He's saying his dad's a drunk and everything. And Alec. She says, my first thought is of Alec. Why isn't he beside me? Oh, Okay. She's not talking about Thorne. She's talking about the boyfriend she left behind. Yes, which we get to later on in that issue. So, because the story for the little boy 
comes back to later on. The guy's like, I'm going to go and deal with something because this guy screwed me over and it'll help me help you find your sister and da da da. I'm going to leave this um, ogre and this orc with you. Um, this one will kill for you. This one can take you anywhere. Have fun. And he's like, I'm out. And so he leaves. <laughs> and so she's looking out the castle and she realizes that they have gates that can jump them further or closer to t- the town, you know, basically little like hedge gates kind of thing. And and their her companions now are bummed that she doesn't want them to like help her kill anybody. But she takes off to go back into town. And um, so she's doing that. And they find, oh, they can't see me da, 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 unless you want to be seen. So she's glamored. But my favorite part was when he um, basically, oh, he gets ambushed by someone, which is um, the the whole one who the guy who he's looking for is being tricked over. And basically they hint at is the one who killed off all the other demigods in a trick. Had like some sort of, I don't know what it was. It was like some sort of, it looked like a goblin. It's like creature. some sort of dragon thing. Then yeah. it like, turned into like a weird centipede, like multiple arm thing. And it had like bone knives and the bones are the same things that trapped him for all those years reminded me of a tyranid yeah yeah that's a good one and so he fights it yeah, da, da. but so eventually he's on his way to see Loch Ness and when uh, he starts calling for Loch, uh, for Loch Ness monster it comes out as this sexy lady with this serpent tattoo which I thought I really liked how that character was drawn I thought she was really cool is it just me or does she look like a Barbie doll though? She kind of she's 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 yes. very very pretty. Like she, she like, doesn't like, have stuff. Yeah. yeah, she's not anatomically correct. Well, I yeah. think she actually she must have stuff because they clearly do stuff later. Yeah, but it just doesn't look like she has stuff. That was the first thing yeah. I was like, something looks wrong with that. Something is not atomic, you know, atomically correct. Yeah. Well, I think that like, they were fine showing, like, the boobs, but because um, clearly in that first scene when they wake up, there was all sorts of, like, nipples yeah. running around. But I guess maybe they're a little bit more hesitant for the, the lower half. I don't know. Well, then cover <laughs> it with the tattoo. <laughs> I know. Or make her you pull a Godiva and her hair is just that long. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that, that was pretty strange. But I did like the fact that Locus Monster was, like, a hot, like, little monster chick. Nessie. Nessie. <laughs> and so basically, you know, they rekindle or do whatever. And I like the fact, I, that's it. my favorite line was that she's like, I smell blood on you and the sex, or like the, the sex sweat of like a dozen others. And she's like, I miss that smell. I'm like, dude, Nessie is twisted. I like her. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's that. And then um goes back to, I believe it's issue two where she, when she's leaving away, um, she, since it's one of her powers, she drew another version of herself or what she thought was herself to leave Alec and she when she's in town glamoured with those two um ogres, she's like, Oh, that's not that's not me. Like it, it, something's twisted and different about it. like they had blue hair and was just acting weird. So she I think is more nervous because based off her previous experience of her drawings coming to life, you know, they returned like murderous and stuff. So she's you know, understandably concerned. <laughs> And then you see something weird happen in the water with the little kid who told the story. And you already kind of got the idea that the monster who was who lost its love was probably Nessie already kind of like you kind of connected the dots without them actually saying it. And he gets like weird, like, I don't know, it, it almost looks like stitches on him. But it looks but in the previous panel, like barbed it, wire. It looks yeah, like the, coral. Is it supposed to be coral? Or is, maybe, his, is it his thorns? Is it his red thorns? Oh, maybe he's right there. Well, it looks like a <laughs> necklace. It, doesn't, it looks it like does. a necklace at first. And then when it reaches the kid's arm, it doesn't look like that anymore. But look at, if you look at red thorn and his arms and his legs. The, the, the thorn comes off of, thor- the, the tattoo comes off of thorn and yeah. wraps itself around his arm. So it's his, yeah. his thorn tattoo. 
So um, I really don't like that big bird tattoo, though, on the on Thorn. I'm like, what is going on? That is not... Oh, the wings? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, the, on the back, you see, like, a head at one of the panels. Like, it's, a, it's, it's like a skull and, and wings. I wonder yeah. if it's like a bird skull. But, yeah, in general, um, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I'm interested in it. It's okay. I mean, it doesn't, like, blow me out of the water, but I'm still interested to see with how they take it. Yeah, what did you guys think? Uh, there were parts that I liked. I liked the goblin and the troll or ogre or whatever it was. They kind of reminded me of, like, C-3PO or R2-D2. Yeah. Like, they're, like, bickering yeah. back and forth. Um, the, side, the sidekicks. Yeah. Yeah. So I like cool that, that dynamic. It's it's fine. I, I'm reading it, and I'm enjoying it. So I'll, I'll read as many issues as they put out. I don't think it's, you know, the best thing out there, but it's definitely not the worst. If The more you like fairies or Scotland, the more you're going to like this. Certainly how I was thinking about it, too. I think it's a good, it's a good pretty filler. If you need something that's like, kind of like light reading, something kind of fun, something kind of slutty. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a three. I'm not done. Oh, you're, oh, all right. You just start talking and what the hell? All right, speak up. You keep talking over me. Just... Right, old man, get with anyway, it. Anyway, um, I like Scotland and I like fairies. Um, some of my favorite Hellboy or BPRD books are... When they're on the British Isles and they're kind of having a, a different view of kind of a – I don't want to say darker view because like the Japanese, the Scottish uh, have some fucking terrifying fairies. The, the supernatural in Scotland is not something to fuck with. Um, Ireland as well and you know parts of England that haven't been touched by Saxons. I actually did a little bit of research. Cadros, who's the uh, – the god that Thorn is trying to track down. At first I was thinking, well, is it some god from another pantheon or something like that? But it's apparently it's, well, they, they say the full name is uh, Belata Kadros, which is Scottish, Northern English, it's Celtic, Northern Britain. And the, the, according to Wikipedia, it's uh, particularly in Cumberland and Westmoreland. Uh, in the Roman period, he was identified with Mars and appears to have been worshipped by lower ranked Roman soldiers as well as Britons. Name means fair shining one or fair slayer. So I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of where this goes. Uh, I like this type of story, especially stuff that pulls in kind of Scottish uh, mythology and kind of gives you uh, a new twist on it. I will give it, let's see here, four thorns. Oh, yeah, I didn't give Frankie. Yeah, I give it four uh, Nessie tattoos. Give it uh, three goblins. Well, then, fine, I will give it three or three and a half orcs. <laughs> so uh, I had a, another book, um, sort of very different tonally. Um, I had uh, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, number two, from Marvel Comics, written by Kate Leth, art by Brittany L. Williams. If you had told me a couple months ago that one of my favorite books would basically be a relaunched romance comic from, like, the 50s, I would not have really believed you. Um, but I love this book. Um, <laughs> This book is is so fun to me. It's just it's it's adorable. There's not really a better way to describe it. It's it's heart filled. It's funny. It's relatable. Like this uh, this issue has uh, Patsy going to work in retail, which I think is probably an experience that most people have had, and it's not a good experience. So she like is at this store in the mall and is just in retail hell with like a boss that's terrible. Who's seventeen? Uh, yeah, and significantly yeah, younger than. Young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, we need to have a conversation about productivity in the back room, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, essentially, I think she's working at like a Forever Twenty One. Like, if you look at it, yeah, it is a justice store. It's like a house of like crop tops. It's like yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And does this come in pants? <laughs> it, the character that that seventeen year old girl that's her boss reminds me a lot of the boss from Office Space in some ways. Like, I think that they're they would be friends, you know. <laughs> So that part to me was really relatable, just the, the drudgery of having to work retail. Then there's a uh, like a robbery that takes place, and she chases this like I don't know if it's like a super villain or a magical villain. She chases this person through the mall on this like little madcap adventure for a couple pages, and I just I love those sequences. I like that there's lots of sound effects that aren't actually sounds that they draw. Like when Patsy goes to like grab her and she misses, um, like the sound effect is miss, you know. <laughs> And then when she's like doing, getting away from like the mall security guards who are trying to stop her, and she's like bouncing off the walls, the sound effect is parkour. Yes, <laughs> parkour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which uh, I, I just I enjoy. It. There's lots of lots of good little moments. I also it took me a while to get into the basically different art styles that are in the book. So it's got a more I wouldn't say exactly realistic, but a more realistic look normally and then when patsy gets like angry or upset or like more emotional it gets much more cartoony and she also looks like a lot younger when they do that yeah which i kind of i like that when she gets like really angry or whatever and they have that art style so i would have never if you had described this book to me and told me i would like it i would i would not have believed you um but just like you don't believe us when we talk about anime Mm. well the fun thing here (laughs) is that ryan I have news for you. You're reading an American anime. Hey, I said I like The Last Airbender. That more cartoony? That not That's not a fucking anime. <laughs> I, I think this is more in line that, with like... The cartoony Archie. is called Super Deformed. Archie didn't do that. This has got a lot of anime traits to it. Right. To Archie, and I was going to make it that comment like too. That. It reads like an Archie, but with... It does read like an Archie. Yeah. Well, that's what the Patsy Walker books were, yeah. basically. Marvel's... Well, I'm sorry. Timely's Archie. Right. But the way they're doing this book now rips a lot from uh, tropes that are just straight up manga. Well, I I enjoy this very much. I really like it. Um, I like when basically all the super girlfriends get together. I thought that was was great. Uh, you got some She Hulk in there, so I'm, I'm always going to like that. I uh, love the text. The text. <laughs> yeah. the text. She barely oh, talks. Yeah, the little but she's the little icons of each, mm-hmm. of each the emotes. <laughs> yep, it's so cute. Yes. And then uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Squirrel Girl, but I really liked her as kind of like the – I liked her. In the I'm always good for burgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had your problems, yeah. And then where they have like the big reveal of the person who's back and then they cut away to her and she's like, who? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I like that. This book is really, really fun. It's like – it almost is like a like a palate cleanser for me, you know, because I like a lot of like – I like a lot of really – After Clean Room. Yeah, After, after Clean Room. After Clean Room, holy shit, yeah. Yeah. Have this like your little lemon sorbet that is Patsy Walker, yeah. and you know you'll be you'll be good. I probably should have read this after reading Clean Room <laughs> before going to bed. That would have been fun. yeah. You would have, you'd have been all right. So <laughs> serving suggestion for anyone, or they would have mixed <laughs> in a horrible way. Oh, God. <laughs> so I, I would Astrid Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So did you? you guys, it sounds like you guys had some some thoughts on this too. I think cool. it's really cute. I like the style. It's, you know, I like how it reminds me of Archie. She's cute. Um, yeah, it's like it's like that take of like almost everyday life kind of twist onto like known superheroes. 
Yeah, I like that. That's what I like is that it feels relatable, even though they're doing, you know, they have superpowers and they're doing stuff. They still have ordinary problems. She's still a normal person trying to make it her working her shitty retail job. I, 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 it's Kate Leth who I, I adore. I love her writing. She's funny. She's silly. And that obviously it comes through and, you know, in her writing. So I, I enjoy this. I will continue reading it. Go team Hellcat. <laughs> I, I gave it a three and a half, uh, Hellcats. Uh, see, I gave it three and a half mysterious vests. Mysterious half what? Her roommate is wearing a vest that you think because he wants to look mysterious. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving it three and a half crop tops. That's the word uh, I was looking for. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it three and a half emergency text. Yeah. <laughs> did Did you convince him to name the truck Patsy? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I, he has not decided. There's some other things that are popping up. The never-ending story, creature, those kind of things. So I, I may what? not, I may have not won yet. Falcor? Yeah, that was oh. an option. Is it white? Yeah, it's all white. Yeah. It's Falcor. Yeah, that's, and I like that too. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've won yet. I'm still trying to think of one for mine now. So yours is blue. Yes, I'm between Yondu and Gambit at the moment. I have a history of naming my cars after guys. Like my bug was Gargamel. He was Smurf Blue. My last car was Wagner? Alphonse. Name Wagner. Mm, I want something special to me. <laughs> Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler. Yeah. yeah Beast. No. I already, I told you what I narrowed it down to. <laughs> no. <laughs> then <laughs> the primaries are over. We're into the general. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand your your ideas, but yeah. No. Uh, I had, see, Doc, I had what, no. I think Ryan heard the whole list. It was like Doctor Manhattan. Um, oh no, big. Oh uh, no. I would yeah, just no. name a big blue penis at that point. That yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Sorry. No. I will call your car big blue penis. Wait, no. One thing you could think about naming your car is uh, I know there was a a droid that I knew once. He he says he belongs to someone named Obi Wan Kenobi. I thought he might have meant old Ben. Do you know what he's talking about? Star Wars number 15, Marvel Comics, written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Mayhew. We have an Obi-Wan story, and this is the Obi-Wan story that I think we actually deserve. It's not the Obi-Wan story that we asked for. That's the one we deserve. No, that's horrible Obi-Wan. And- the other, talk about the other one. Uh, I read the other one. I didn't hate it. Obi-Wan and Anakin one? Yeah. Really? Hmm. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> This, however, this was pretty fun. I cannot like the artwork, though. It pains me. Did anybody? You didn't like the art? I, the, it's too real. It's too real. Uh, the, it's too real. the ones of Luke seem much more realistic than the other art. Yes, that creeped me out. It was too creepy. But the other, other than that, the artwork is great. Like when it's not up close on their faces, I, it, I thought it was really, really good. But just uh, there was that one scene with Luke with like the super buck teeth that I don't know I yeah. can picture the exact thing yeah. you're talking that about. one yeah. to me feels like it was drawn from a photograph yeah it was creepy it's too real I didn't like that okay. Mr. Hamill may, yeah. may I have a picture of you as a child please <laughs> yeah I did hmm. I did not I did not care for that but I did enjoy the story I thought that I, I liked the uh, we were filling in completely the gaps between you know, Ben and Luke's family were obviously why he was told to stay away and everything like that. I thought that was that was actually really kind of fun. We get we get to see a, a peek behind the curtain. There's a uh, part Uncle Biz is talking to Obi-Wan 
And it's like that. There's this line that just like cuts like a knife, where he's like, "Haven't you killed enough Skywalkers?" Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, uh. oh shit, just got real. <laughs> you know, them's them's fighting words. It's like, bitch, slap that uncle. I really enjoyed it. I like the art. I like the writing. I like the. It's a sneak peek behind the scenes of what happened in between the two without me having to watch Rebels. I like Rebels. Really? I tried. I'm I, the problem is I'm judging Rebels against Clone Wars. And that's not fair. I just love Kanan and Hera. <laughs> I don't like Kanan. The comic doesn't help me like Kanan. Mm. That actually has hurt it a little bit. Mm. Because I'm like, wait, is this character? Who is it? Fuck. So in this one, we've got, nope. uh, like, Obi-Wan is, like, hanging out with Jawas, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, His little well he's just kind of, he's doing kind of odd jobby things. Yeah. To to kind of watch over and kind of spoil Luke a little bit, possibly because he feels guilty over you know cutting Anakin's arms and legs off. Yeah, it's true. Then there's like I liked the uh, the part with uh, where he fights off like all the the, the Tuscan Raiders like by mm-hmm. hand because he can't use his lightsaber because it'll blow his cover, you know. And he's like, oh, that took all night. I have to think of a new way to scare them off. Yeah. Right. And there was the this would be so much easier with a lightsaber. I love the um slumming it. I like to see I like to seeing all the lineup of the droids. That makes me happy. The Astromex. Oh yeah. With the happy. I just have to wonder how many times did those fucking Jawas come back to that goddamn farm? <laughs> like, uh-huh. No, seriously, please buy these droids. All the time. We do also see uh one of my favorite new characters uh in here as well. Black uh I don't know how to say his name, is it Black Criston? I like to say chrysanthemum. I like to say black chrysanthemum. Yeah, there's a lot of K's and R's and Wookiee noises in there. Kersantan. Kersantan, maybe? Kersan? I don't know, but he's awesome. (laughs) Whoa! Yeah, I was like, are you having a stroke? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not again. Can you breathe? The worst fucking Wookiee... So they they kind of use these uh, Obi Wan issues to like as spaces between like the arcs, you know, probably to let them. Yeah, that was confusing because this seemed like it was leading somewhere, mm-hmm. and then next issue, look back to Leia. Well, yeah, they, yeah. so they had another uh, Obi Wan issue a couple issues back that was him hanging out. Like this is a continuation of that. So I think we're probably yeah. every four months, six months, whatever, we're gonna get more of this story. You know, I don't remember that. Yeah, he's like there's like the yeah, moist, there's like a moisture like a drought and uh, well they talked about that yeah and so they're and that's why they want to kill him yeah because he yeah. basically was like attacking the empire and like taking back their like water taxes from them and giving them to people but you know it caused a big right. scene so he couldn't he couldn't do that anymore and he had to like like. It, the whole point of that was like it was harder for him to just stand there not being able to do anything than actually fight them. But that that was like the part of his Jedi training, you know, that he – so that that was kind of interesting from the last time we had a, a story for him from here. But the oh. next Star Wars one is going to be uh, Dr. Aphra and Leia. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Chick fight! Yeah. There's, I, I hope there's a lot of punching. I yeah. feel that there should be a lot of punching. Yep. I remember the thing that I liked. One thing I like about this book is that he's constantly talking to Qui-Gon. Yeah. Uh-huh. His little side conversation. There's this one scene, and I, I don't know why I haven't taken a picture of it, 
Um, so remember when I used to complain about the food of the Jedi Temple Master? That was before I'd had snake every night for a year. Ugh. It's a good thing I'm strong in the Force, so I wouldn't be able to force it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right there. <laughs> it's Jedi comedy. I think this is also partially kind of. There's this Legends story that they did where Maul comes to try to. I don't know what exactly Maul's doing, um, but he's basically trying. I, I guess trying to kill Skywalker because he, for some reason, has some anger towards Anakin, or he's trying to pull Obi Wan out into the open. And it's it's kind of a similar thing at the end, which is like just stay the hell away from my family. And I think they kind of, like, reused that a little bit for this. I don't know. I, I liked it. I gave it, a, like, three and a half um, Jawas. What did everybody else think of it? I was quite pleased by it. Again, I like the art. I like the story. It's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's Star Wars. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, Obi-Wan has always been one of my favorite characters. I You know, I don't really remember this other side one that you mentioned that, that happened before that this is a continuation off of. So I'm going to have to go back and try to reread that. But I like seeing it. I mean, like, I love all the little nuances. I like... I like going back and seeing characters you're familiar with and learning a little bit more about them, even though I find it a little jarring to break up the stories that way. Like, we were ha- we had some momentum going, and all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, we're hanging out in Tatooine now. Cool. I'll give it three and a half Uncle Owen Glowers. <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree with uh, Chris's. Um... It's kind of jarring to see this. I kind of almost wish this had been the, the Obi-Wan comic on its own. And maybe use that to continue the story instead of kind of sticking in into the regular Star Wars series. That said, I will give it three and three quarters astromechs. Nice. Nice. I will give it four conversations with Qui-Gon. Because <laughs> I really like it. I love every little good piece of Star Wars I can get that doesn't have anything to do with the Yuuzhan Vong or killing Chewbacca. That I just I, I love this and I love the kind of renaissance of the comics. In fact, they're actually paying people who know how to draw and write. To make these things, we're getting good Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I saw it for the fifth time uh, on Saturday. Nice. Yeah. It still hold up? Yeah. It was my my anniversary, so we went. Goddamn, where they held up? <laughs> so, for your anniversary, your husband took you to watch your favorite character be murdered by his own child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Dan. This is what I got you. <laughs> I got you murder. <laughs> but until then, you know, it was eye candy. That's, so, true. Yeah. That's true. Happy murderversary. <laughs> oh, you know me so Sounds well. Sounds like something, uh, the killer droid. Zero? Triple zero. Triple zero. Sounds like something triple zero would say. Very true. Uh, well, uh, for Valentine's Day, I'm sure most of us are going to go see more murder. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, I was talking about that. I'm like, I can't wait. Oh, we, no, we should make a PG-13 version. No. Oh, God, no. no. Fuck that. I'm so glad he fought for that. Oh, oh. I the cannot thing- wait to see the scenes they cut out because they had to get it to an R. That's yeah. what I want. I could just imagine, I could just imagine that, like, when it was introduced, the idea was introduced to him. He's like, what? No. No. Just, have you read it? Like, do you <laughs> yes, know? You shouldn't it? have. Yeah, that's a You know what? I, I blame for that. The Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, because doesn't he show up in that? Yeah, he's on at least one episode, and he's kind of just goofy crazy in there. But he can be all like Bugs Bunny on that, right? Yeah. But there's not the fucking character. No. No. I want to see the outtakes with him and T.J. Miller, with T.J. Miller explaining what his face looks like. I want to so bad. 
Just for two hours. Yep, that's exactly yeah. what I would like. So, those were the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go to fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Stitcher. Where somebody actually, I can't read the review, but we actually, somebody gave us five stars. What? Yes, on Stitcher. Look us up. Sweet. (sighs) Seriously. You know where else they can find us? Where? On fucking SoundCloud. Oh, and that's not just all. They can also find us on Podcast Addict. What? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds. 